0: And myself at a loss long-
1: Of a surgery she's had. She, she has a little voice, a little voice, but I am going to read her testimony for you all today, okay? So let me begin uh, by that. Back up? Okay. All right. I became a mother at a very young age. God blessed me with six children, six, eight grandkids, and one great granddaughter. Whom I love more than words can say. My sinful ways took me through broken relationships, divorce, and alcoholism. This is just a few of the many of my many sins. I am a two-time cancer survivor. The first left me with a G tube. I haven't ate solid food in four years, but that's okay. I thank God that I am alive. When I found out that I had cancer. I knew that I had to stop drinking with the help of God, my family, and lots of prayers. I was able to get the strength and courage to conquer cancer and alcohol. As of today, I'm going on 15 years alcohol-free and a few months being cancer-free. The second cancer took most of my speech. I am beyond grateful for what speech that I have. during. COVID lockdown, I started watching other Christian shows, and it was during one of Franklin Graham's messages, I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life. I didn't need to find the church. The church came to find me through Gospel to Every Home. From the minute I walked into the door on Easter Sunday, I felt welcome following sunday i took the information for new members and after meeting with pastor sean i knew this was the church for me i know i will always be a sinner but having the spirit of jesus in me will not only help me not to sin but will help me to serve others today i feel free of my anxiety and that is improving every day and i know whenever i have a problem i have jesus there for me I am here today in front of my family and church, uh, church family, to give my life to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through baptism. What a wonderful message. Thank you for sharing that with us. you, my sister, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of her death, raised to walk in newness of life. What a great way to begin our time together. Amen? Amen. We'll continue in that spirit of rejoicing. What's we'll saying to our feet? And we're going to read God's word to each other. This is going to be from Psalm 5, and we'll all read this together. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them shout for joy forever. May you shelter them, and may those who love your name boast about you. For you, Lord, bless the righteous one. You surround him with favor like a shield. Amen. Let's worship together. We learned this song a few weeks ago. We're going to sing it again together. Come and
2: stand before your maker, full of wonder, full of fear. Come behold His power and glory, yet with confidence draw near. For the One who holds the heavens and commands the stars above, He's the One who plans to bless us with an unrelenting love. Rejoice! Come and lift your hands and raise your voice. of your King, and with trembling rejoice. We are children of the promise, the Beloved of the Lord, one with everlasting kindness, brought with sacrificial blood, bringing reconciliation to a world that longs to know the affections of the Father will never let them go. Rejoice! Come and lift your hands and raise your voice. He is worthy of all praise. Rejoice! Sing the mercies of your King, and we're trembling. carried up the hill He has walked this path before us He is walking with us still Turning tragedy to triumph Turning agony to praise There is blessing in the battle So take heart and stand amazed Rejoice When you cry to Him He hears your voice away your tears rejoice in the midst of suffering he will help you see. rejoice come and lift your hands and raise your voice he is worthy of all praise rejoice sing the mercies of your
1: Let's rejoice with handcrafts of praise. Word. Amen. Let's continue encouraging one another. Let's encourage one another with these words. Call each other to worship this morning. Come praise and glorify our God.
2: Come praise and glorify our God, the Father of our Lord. For pure and blameless in His sight He destined us to be. And now we've been adopted through His Son eternal. To the praise of Your glory, to the praise of Your mercy and grace, the praise of your glory, you are the God who saves.
1: Come praise and glorify our God. Come praise and glorify.
2: and praise to the praise of your glory you are the god who saves.
1: amen let's give him praise with our hand claps this morning thank you for singing you may be seated let's watch this video together Good morning, again, I'm Pastor Sean and I'm glad that you're here today as we worship the Lord together. Uh, that little film was to remind us of Memorial, to the, Memorial Day tomorrow, which we know that that celebration is for those who gave their life Defending our freedom. And so we want to remember them, and I'll do that in our prayer here in just a few minutes. But I want to take a chance to welcome all of you to this morning. Uh, if you're a guest, we're glad that you're here this morning. We are glad that you came today as we honor the God who gives us life and gives us life through his son, Jesus Christ. Here at Hebrew Baptist Church, we want everyone to take their next step in Christ. So wherever you are in your life, if you're far from God, we want you to come to Christ. If you are in Christ, we want you to grow in Christ. Wherever that is, we hope Hebrew Baptist will be that place for you. In the pew in front of you, if this is your first time with us today, uh, is a connect card. So please fill that out if this is your first time. Let us know that you're here so we can connect with you. Also, if it's your first time with us today, uh, we have a gift for you. Uh, we just take the, ask you to fill that card out and take it to the next steps desk, which is out the double doors to the immediate left. Someone will be there to help you. Also, uh, we welcome all of our members, maybe some who might be watching at home because they're sick or something going on, uh, or uh, to all those here, uh, we're glad that you're here. We just want to remind you this morning, as we worship, singing loudly to one another and to the Lord, that we also take part in the opportunity to worship God through our giving, and so you can do that by several different ways. If you're here and you'd like to uh, give for what you have, or, or a check, or money, or whatever, there's some boxes, black boxes on the back wall. You can do that. Also, if you more are someone who likes to give electronically, right in the pew in front of you, is a QR code. You can scan that and give through your your phone, or you can scan this one that's up here on the screen, or if you're watching at home that's on your screen, and you can give there, or you can mail it to P.O. Box 92, Hebron, Kentucky, 41048, or drop it off at the office Monday through Thursday, 9 to 430, Or Friday, 9 to noon. So we hope that you take opportunity to give thanks for what Lord has given you and worship through your giving. Today we're going to be looking at what God has told us through the prophet Isaiah, and we're going to be looking at all sorts of things of how God has been gracious to us. Well, God has been gracious to us as a country, and being Christians who happen to be in this country, that we've had people willing to serve, willing to fight, willing to defend our freedom and some who are willing to give their lives for us. And so today, I want to take a moment to pause and pray for them, their families who gave the sacrifice as well, and also pray uh, for some of our missions partners. So if you would, would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we are thankful and grateful for the country in which we live and uh, that we, and particularly me, even in this moment, being able to being able to proclaim the riches of your grace of your Son Jesus Christ. This is not something that I take lightly or am not thankful of, uh, that we have the privilege of being Christians in a country that we can speak openly about you. And Lord, I know that there are many veterans and many people who have served our country to protect this freedom. And Lord, uh, you have given that out of your grace and out of your concern for us. But Lord, you have also done something even more wonderful that you've put into the lives of people who are willing to run towards the fight, to run towards the darkness, and to defend us. And Lord, I pray for them who have given their lives. And Lord, as your word says, there is no greater love than one who has laid down their life for their friends, in this case, their country, and for our freedoms. Lord, I just pray that you would be with them, but be with their family that has survived and ongoing. And every Memorial Day is reminded of this sacrifice. And every Memorial Day, the memories flood back. God, I pray by your grace, give them the peace that passes all understanding. Lord, I pray that we are thankful and grateful for them. And that if we have an opportunity to serve someone who has lost their life uh, because of a foreign war or because of any war, that we would do so, if they're in our community or in our own family. Heavenly Father, we also lift with heavy hearts those who were impacted by the Uvalde uh, shooting this week. Lord, there are parents who are seeing empty rooms in their home because someone decided uh, to open fire in a school, not long before that in Buffalo. And Lord, Lord, in this tragedy, we are reminded of the evil that's in the world, that sin that, that pervades us. And God, I pray for those families, the families of the teachers, the families of the other kids who were not killed but are, are, are having nightmares and concern. And Lord, I just pray that as we have had heavy hearts all week, uh, God, that you would help us look to you. We pray that we would, we would not dwell in fear but look to a God who is able. And we pray for comforting of local churches, of, 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 um, of the gospel and the lives of those families, that it would be preached, proclaimed, and even lived among the people that surround these families. And that, Lord, that through this tragedy, even joy might come in the morning, that someone might be saved, uh, that, uh, that those might bring hope to the hopeless here. And so, Lord, we just pray. And, Lord, I pray that it would just encourage each of us who are Christians to be reminded that we are your grace to the world that we are living in, that we get to proclaim your goodness, that we get to proclaim your gospel, that we get to be light and hope and peace and encouragement and kindness to the people who are around us, that we would be faithful, that we would live compassionately, but we would also live with passion for you and your son, Jesus Christ, that through us and in us, through the work of your church, but through us individually, that lives would be changed, that we could push back darkness in hearts and in lives and in this community. So Lord, we lift these up to you. Lord, we lift up our partners who are overseas doing the same thing. Lord, we lift up Carl Porter, his wife, Sarah, and their family as they are working in the rotten area of England. We pray, God, as they proclaim the goodness of your son, Jesus Christ, that lives would be changed, that a church would be planted, that, God, you would make your name known in an area that has very little Christian witness. And so, Lord, we pray that for them. Pray protection. Pray pray with a a focus for their lives and their heart and their ministry and protect their family uh, from the schemes of the evil one. Lord, we come to you this morning. Knowing that we are sinners and that this past week we understand that we have been far from you in many areas of our life, that we've disobeyed, that we've not responded even graciously in the midst of bad news in the world, that we have not looked to hope in you, that Lord, that we have not been faithful in gospel sharing. And in all these things, God, that you have called us, we know that we have failed god thank you for the gospel that brings us good news that you your son died for your son died for us that in all of our failures and all of our shortcomings he has bled and died for us lord give us hope help us look to jesus and as we continue to worship may he be our focus in jesus name amen would you stand to your feet? Let's continue our time of worship together, but now let's take a moment and reflect on the, um, the joy we have and the comfort that we have that we have a mighty fortress in God.
2: A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never fails. Striving would be losing, were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own
3: choose.
2: Just ask who that may be Christ Jesus, it is He the Lord.
3: we
1: jumpy sort. Well, good morning. Turning your copy of God's Word or in your device to Isaiah and chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5. It's page 603. If you'd like to follow along in the pew Bible that's in front of you, 603. Uh, if you don't have a Bible of your own to read, we'd love to give you one. Just stop by the next steps desk. They have plenty that we'd love to hand that, because we know in it is life. And so we hope that you'd be able to have one and read it. But right now, as you follow along, you can use that Pew Bible. It's page 603. We're continuing our series, really, as you can, I don't know if you've noticed as we've walked through it, but uh, even even a uh, prophecies that's given 2,500 years or so Ago are as fresh as today's newspaper. It challenges us in our walk with the Lord. It challenges us to walk away from sin. It challenges us to be reminded of the holiness of God and how we should respond to Him. But also, this wonderful fresh news that God has responded to us in kindness and grace. And as we look here in chapter 5 of Isaiah, we're going to look at when grace is rendered fruitless. That the grace that we have received, we waste and use in vain. And we're going to look at what the, the Word says and how that happens and the good news that we have in Christ. So I'm just going to read, instead of all of chapter 5, we're going to read bits of all of the chapter but we're going to just begin by reading verses 1 through 7 to begin with. I will sing about the one I love, a song about the loved one's vineyard. The one I love had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He broke up the soil, cleared it of stones, and planted it with finest vines. He built a tower in the middle of it and even dug out a wine press there. He expected it to yield good grapes. But it yielded worthless grapes. So now residents of Jerusalem and men of Judah, please judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done for my vineyard than I did? Why, when I expected a yield of good grapes, did it yield worthless grapes? Now I will tell you what I'm about to do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it will be consumed. I will tear down its wall, and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, and it will not be pruned or weeded, thorns or briars will grow up. I will also give orders to the clouds that rain should not fall on it. For the vineyard of the Lord of armies is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah, the plant he delighted in. He expected justice, but saw injustice. He expected righteousness, but heard cries of despair. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words that you gave Isaiah and to Israel in their day. But Lord, may we not be so prideful that we see a message for us today. Heavenly Father, through your word is truth and through your spirit, it will pierce our hearts. We pray, God, that today we will hear from it and we will never be the same again. We pray for those who are seeking you that you will find them. We pray for those who are in you, that you will pull us close. For those of us who are wandering, Lord, bring us home. In Jesus' name, amen. So those of you who have been here a while know that me and my family had a Christmas tree farm when I was growing up, and that's what part of our families did. And of course, part of the work was unfortunately to make it look like a christmas tree it doesn't grow that way for those of you don't know that breaking news you have to trim it every summer right when the sap stops in the summer you trim it and then it'll grow a little bit more natural looking by christmas season anyways we had uh, done that for many years and then we decided my dad i guess decided uh, you know we've got this other piece of our land that's not being used know as a moneymaker let's let's plant some pumpkins and that's another seasonal thing that we can use this property for and let's plant pumpkins and people could come in and pick a pumpkin and and we could do kind of extend what we do here and so I remember we prepared that land I remember when he rented the tiller I remember going and and picking out big rocks and little rocks and and doing everything we could to get ready for the pumpkin planting season and it took a lot of effort it took a lot of time and we did it and then we planted the pumpkins and then the first season we planted them and nothing happened the rain did not come and it did not produce any pumpkins surely okay experiment failed, we won't do it again no, nope, no, no, one more try, right one more try, we'll do it and so we we again, we worked got the, the land ready, we pulled up all the stuff that was from before we, we, we got it ready we planted it, the rains came and the pumpkins came, but the local deer hated the pumpkins they smashed every single one of them every single one of them as a matter of fact, we had this like all oh, this. We have this big, big crop that we're going to be able to use. We had promised the local elementary school that they're going to be able to come in and pick a pumpkin, and we didn't hardly have any pumpkins to, for them to do. So we had to like clean out the, the the old stuff, and there was like a few that we could do. And we kind of scattered it to look like it did, you know, it did what it was supposed to do. But but all that work produced fruitlessness. This prophecy of Isaiah reminds us that God's grace comes to us, and often we render it fruitless by our carelessness. In our life, if we are not careful, we can be fruitless Christians. God's grace came to us. Jesus died on the cross, not by any favor to us, not that anything we deserve not by anything that we were owed, that Jesus died for us, and by God's grace, he worked in our heart to bring us to faith that we could see the glorious goodness of Jesus and place our faith in him that we might be saved. But even in this grace, we see that there are times that our character does not reflect Jesus and receiving this grace that we receive the power to walk away from sin to live free from sin often we are careless that we don't live a fruitful life for the Lord as a matter of fact Paul warns us of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 1 he says working together with him we also appeal to you don't receive the grace of God in vain. Isn't God's grace something that's free to us? What does Paul mean here? Receive the grace of God in vain. Isn't God's grace all-forgiving kindness to us? Doesn't God's grace cover us when and compensate for our half-hearted. Responses to God? Yes. Well, then, why does Paul urge us to not receive God's grace in vain? Because God's grace not only accepts us, it transforms us. God's grace comes to us. And transforms us as we accept Him into a transformation that is worthy and that is shows of Christ in us. But if we all understand this, unfortunately, many of us try to accept God's grace without transformation. And if we do so, we're accepting His grace in vain and it is worthless. Isaiah's prophecy to Judah here warns the people that there are lives that God has given us in grace and we are wasting it to show little fruit. And in this passage we're going to be exposed to the wonders of God's grace but then we are going to show the areas that God hates in which we don't protect ourselves from the life of Of fruitlessness so that's where we're going this morning so if you're following along if you want to take notes number one God has given us a garden of grace God has given us a garden of grace those first seven verses is what we read that Isaiah was inspired to use this ancient song I mean look how it starts I will sing about the one I love Maybe it's a top 40 hit. I don't know what, what they listened to, but but this was a, a song that God used to inspire what he wanted to show and reveal. Isaiah was contrasting God's lavish grace to us, his bestowments of goodness to the disappointing outcomes that we create on our end. In the prophet's imagination, he gives us a picture, right, of of an owner who spends time and toils uh, over preparing the land and and planting a crop and spending precious time and in the end the crop produces not just grapes but sour grapes not just merely bad grapes but rancid grapes and this we see that This situation that the provision that the owner gave did not produce to his effort. So, what happened? This is the question that this song produces. The owner did everything he could. Where was the breakdown? Verse 3 offers two possibilities. He says, Judge between me and the vineyard. So, was it my fault? Was it something I have done? Or was it the vineyard? And the failure lies either with the owner or the vineyard. Well, we read verses 1-2. What do we read? That the owner took lots of time. He cleared the stones. He'd get the finest uh, vines. He planted a beautiful tower. He, he got the wine press ready. He did all that he could purposefully with investment. And then in verse 4, he, inv- he asks us to find fault with him. What more could I have done for the vineyard than what I did in this picture we see why this question why did this happen well this picture is to show the glorious grace that God gave to Israel that God took them out of slavery Provided them a land of promise. Provided them a great king to watch over them. Named them a people for his own possession. And what happened? They turned from him. They turned from him. The question of why, mostly we do and ask this very question, why is it, not fruitful. Well, we turn that on ourselves. Why was our Christian life not fruitful? What have we done? And in the same place, this question comes is it God or is it me? And oftentimes we default to that it's someone else's fault, isn't it? We say, well, if I only had more time, you know, if only I had a better spouse, if only I were married. If only my job weren't so demanding. If only I had some more money. We tell ourselves, we make excuses, we say, why aren't I producing more fruit in my life? And instead of saying, God has given me everything that I need, we look for excuses that it's not us. We do that in churches, don't we? When we go to churches, why is God not producing more fruit in churches? Some would say, well, you know, if only we had contemporary music. Or someone might say, well, if we just keep that contemporary music out. We find all these things, why are fruit being produced? The blame, though, that we ask really blame shifts to God. But this criticism of God is not real because it's not as if God has not already given us everything we need to live for him. 2 Peter 1 through 3 says, His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. So, what has God done for us? Well, I encourage you later today or tomorrow, why don't you start by reading Romans 8. If you don't think God has not done anything for you maybe camp out there for a little bit and see all that God has done for us I'm not going to read all of it this morning but here's just a bird's eye view of what God has done God has removed all condemnation from us through our union with Christ He has made us a new arrangement for us in the new covenant so that the righteousness of the law will be fulfilled in our actual moral character by the Spirit's power. Christ now lives in us as the Holy Spirit imparts life to our personalities now and to our bodies at the resurrection. We are being led forward in this new life by the Spirit who awakens us in the sense of God's fatherly love for us. He has made us co-heirs with Christ of the new heavens and the new earth where all our hopes will be fulfilled and right now the spirit helps us to press on even when we're too weak to pray God is also working all things to our good along the way according to his eternal plan And nothing will ever be able to temperate us, separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that is just Romans 8. God's grace is abundant to us. God has been very busy on our behalf. The question is, what have we done with this outpouring of grace? Are we being a good investment? Have we parlayed his blessing into fruitful outcomes? Well, verse 7 reads, For the vineyard is the Lord of armies, is the house of Israel and the men of Judah, the plant he delighted in, but saw injustice and expected righteousness, but heard cries of despair. One commentator says that that Isaiah uses this Wordplay to say, did God find right? No, he saw nothing but riot. Did God find decency? No, all he found was despair. One of the anomalies of our age is unfortunately we waste in vain God's grace. And so many Christians look so, no different than the rest of the world. The question we must ask ourselves is not just are we bearing fruit, but are we bearing the sweet fruit consistent of the beautiful grace that God has given us, that we yield an abundant harvest, commiserate to the abundant grace that God has invested in us. And if the answers to those questions when you look at your own life are not encouraging let's have the honesty to ask ourselves why see the haunting question that hung over all of Israel's history that God would ask what more could I have done for you what more could I have done for my vineyard than I did but this secondary question knowing what you have received from God why do you choose sin instead of God why did Israel choose sin instead of God why do we choose sin instead of God and this abundance of grace that God has given us we know that God has expected and wants us to produce a garden of righteous fruit so why do we not well, number two, we can make his grace fruitless. We can make his grace fruitless. But the rest of the text clarifies that God knows that we have wasted his grace and therefore have angered him. Isaiah puts the stereotype of the Old Testament you know, ravaging preacher kind of away in this text because he doesn't just spew just random things. He is like a, a, a logical professor going down. Why are you fruitless? Well, let me tell you. He uses these, almost these clumps of sour grapes, despicable grapes, and uses those as logical frames of why we do that. And he introduces them with six woes. And that woe introduces the idea that he is saying why we are fruitless. So when we walk down through this, you can read it full later, but you'll see his thought pattern through there. So what are the ways that each one of us know that that we can fall into fruitless grace, that we turn from God and we're not able to produce the fruit that we want? Well, in verse 8, Woe to those who add house to house, who join field to field, until there is no more room, and you are alone left in the land. If you go on and read the next several verses, you'll see that God is, is judging and saying that people, instead of being filled and being passionate by me in me, have found passion in the world. When we are passionate about the things of this world, we can't produce godly fruit. And in a world that is always uh, connected, uh, we, uh, we are isolated. If you notice in verse 9, he says, I heard the Lord of armies say, indeed, many houses will become desolate. Notice what he says there, that you are, are no one is left in the land. Being isolated from our brothers and sisters keeps us From producing fruit. How does being isolated from others not produce godly fruit? Well, think about what's happening in our society right now. We're in a world that's always connected, but always alone. We all are behind our phones or behind our computer screens, or talking on the phone, and we've traded it for being together. And what is the fruit that has come from this? Statistics tell us right now that teenagers are as lonely as they have ever been. They're falling into depression. They're questioning their identities from this lack of connection. They want to to be connected to something else, belong, but they're not connected physically, so they want to project something that isn't true. Think of the atrocities that we even saw this week. If we look back and, and look at all of them that have happened, they are done by people, by boys who have been disconnected, who have been connected in online, and who have been isolated from the rest of the world. But God knows that when we are isolated from others, that's when Satan attacks. That We are vulnerable and we have no one to help us. So when we are isolated from our brothers and sisters, we can't produce fruit because there's no one to tend for us. That is why the good news that God has given us the church As we look through the whole New Testament, we are Christians are abiding in the church that we are to one another, that we are submitting to one another, living with one another, helping one another, loving one another, that it is this one anothering that helps us produce fruit. Ephesians chapter 2 says, so then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus Himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple of the Lord. And in him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling and the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, what is this telling us? It is together. It is in relationship with other Christians. It is in our life groups. It is in our D groups. And it's in, in this room together that God has fashioned us as a temple of the Spirit for God to produce great fruit in us. The pandemic sped up our culture and our cultural decrease for being committed to the local church. All throughout the country, we see people saying no to the church, staying away from the church giving up on the church and we wonder why there's so much rancid grapes in our world because we are not connected to God's people and we have no one speaking God's truth in our life and we have no one to hold us accountable and to pray for us but within the life of the church God is building us up so that we can be mature in our faith so, brother and sister, if you feel yourself isolating yourself away from others, that is Satan wanting you to isolate yourself so that people won't point out your sin and help you come to growth and maturity. Run to others. Run for help. Ask for prayer. Ask for encouragement. We must be careful because we will not produce food, fruit being isolated from our brothers and sisters. Let her be we also cannot produce fruit by loving the world. By loving the world. Verse 11 says, Woe to those who rise early in the morning in pursuit of beer, who linger into the evening inflamed by wine. At their feast they have lyre, harp, tambourine, flute, wine, and they do not perceive the Lord's actions, and they do not seek the work of his hands. Now this was not a judgment against our band Uh, this was a judgment to say look at what people are pursuing look the word inflamed is the word that jumps off the page what are we inflamed by what do we long for what do we find is significant letter B is loving the world and we do not produce fruit if we are loving the world more than we are loving God the gospel explains that there are basically two kinds of people. Those who inflame or are passionate about the flesh or those who are inflamed or impassioned about the spirit. And Isaiah condemns Judah for their unreasoned passion and thrill for things not of heaven and not of God, but of this world. And The power of grace does not lie in spiritual moderation of the spirit. But in deep gulps of the spirit that helps exercise, encourage and help us aware of God more deeply, are you drinking of the world or of the deep love for God? What we are putting in, what are we consuming, what are we passionate about will help us produce great things. If we're passionate about the world, we're going to produce something that the world approves. But if we're passionate about the Spirit and of God, we will produce much fruit. Let us see what will keep us from being fruitless. We are deceived in our sins. Verse 18-19 through says, Woe to those who drag iniquity with cords of deceit and pull sin along with cart ropes. To those who say, let him hurry up and do his work quickly so that I can see it. Let the plan of the Holy One of Israel take place so that we can know it. Picture people pulling a large cart or heavy burden, not horses, not things that could be dragged, but Isaiah uses this picture to help us see the burden of sin that we try to carry and why does this hurt ourselves because we try to normalize it we try to say that this will pay off for us the prophet says woe to those who draw iniquity from the cords of falsehood because sin is deceitful we think this burden is going to pay off for us one day That that all this sin that we've invested in is going to somehow one day turn out to be good. But brothers and sisters, there's only one good. There's only one thing that will produce good fruit for us. Jeremiah says, the heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? Brothers and sisters, we're deceived, doubly so, because we cling to our favorite sin, so heavy, so dear to us that we wonder, why isn't God more real to me? All the while, we're keeping sin around. Brother and sister, we encourage you that if you are carrying this sin, to, to let it go, to walk away from it, get help. Let me ask you, has someone lately lovingly corrected you? in your sin but instead of agreeing with them you've recoiled that you've lashed out did you really take their correction and dug into the word, into the Lord and asked if it's untrue or do you just not want to hear it because sin has deceived you so if you want to produce much fruit for the Lord then you need to make sure that sin is not deceiving you letter D we, need to ref, re, we will be fruitless if we redefine sin and holiness verse 20 reads woe to those who call evil good and good evil who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter Contrary to reason and experience, we find ways to rationalize sin. Romans tells us that we're going to end there, right? Romans 1.32 says, although they know God's just sentence, that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they even applaud others who practice them. Don't we often redefine sin and what's good? Don't we often change its labels? As it was warned here by Isaiah that this, we change our taste buds. We trick ourselves to think what is sour is sweet. That we end up longing, maybe even for the junk food instead of the good food. But when we start to eat things and call it good, we change our appetite for more. And the reality is it draws us even further into sin. It's possible for us to lose our sense of taste, to taste the good, and instead long for the bad. Friends, this is dangerous. It leads to a path of destruction. Sin is anything disobedient to God. And if we normalize disobedience, we are agreeing to press on away from God. We must be careful that we do not redefine sin and holiness because we should have a life that is repenting and renewing our mind and agreeing with God more that sin is sin and right is right and not the other way around. Be careful if you are redefining sin. Letter E. Another way that we cut off our fruitlessness our, or, or become fruitless, we misplace self confidence. We think we have all the answers. We think we know all the way. We think that we can even control the sin in our lives. But, brothers and sisters, grace thrives when we feel how urgently we need to be saved from ourselves. We know that we can't do it our own. We know that we need God. We know that we cannot thrive without him. We know that we cannot defeat sin with him, without him. Mart Lloyd-Jones observed that sin is very clever. It always brings forward its reasons, its arguments. Sin knows us so well it knows that we like to think of ourselves as highly intelligent people. So it does not tell us, do this. It gives us reasons for doing it. And they appear to be so wonderful. But the whole point is that in reality, they are specious, and they are empty and foolish. The reasoning is always false reasoning and arguments are always wrong. Brothers and sisters, we need not to be stayed on ourselves because sin deceives us, and we can't handle it on our own. God wants to save us from our brilliant foolishness that we seek to save and work for ourselves. And finally, letter F, personal excess, and we say excess of sin, impacts others. Verse 22 through 23 He says, Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine, who are champions at pouring beer, who acquit the guilty for a bribe and deprive the innocent of justice. These are not things that we normally put together, but Isaiah puts the debauchery of the time and connects it to justice, that we would deprive innocent of justice. What Isaiah's point and God's point here is that when we embrace a life of sin our sin spills out and hurts others around us. And when we agree to a sin that not only hurts us but hurts everyone else that cannot remain a private matter that cannot be the benefit of others the reality is as we have agreed to a sin that is dangerous to everyone and everywhere and we cannot produce fruit in such a soil. He says that they are, these people are medicating their despair and sin is like trying to clean a pig. You know, everybody's going to get dirty. But you know that when you are sinning, your lies, your sin impacts everyone else and someone's fixing to get hurt. We must be reminded that any sin in us that is spilling out to others will never produce fruit filled grace. So, number three, what does God tell us? Our fruitlessness will come to judgment, but God will bring growth. In the last section, God speaks very clearly, very boldly, that this type of life will not. Go unpunished. It says in verse 24, Therefore as a tongue of fire consumes straw, and as dry grass shrivels in the flame, so their roots will become like something rotten, and their blossoms will blow away like dust. And they have rejected the instruction of the Lord's armies, and they have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Isaiah prophesied that Judah... As they are bearing no fruit will ultimately become under the destruction of the Lord. And Isaiah beautifully says that here God is using Assyria as a a tool in his toolbox to bring out the fruitless vines that he is controlling the whole world and that in that time Assyria comes in And as sweet as verse 1 was with a beautiful vineyard, verse 29 ends with Assyria overrunning the people of God that there's nothing left. What does this remind us? What does this say to us? That we need to bear fruit lest we go down a path that leads to destruction. John the Baptist told us to receive grace. We bear fruit in keeping of repentance, he says. The key for us as Christians is to know that this possibility is within us. To know that the fruitlessness that is there, if it keeps going, leads to a path of destruction. Isaiah is waving his hands over here saying, listen, you need to tend to your garden. He's like the Karen walking around the neighborhood saying, you know, your weeds are too high or you didn't do this. But Isaiah's coming around and saying, listen, your fruitlessness is going to destruction away from God forever. And you need to bear fruit. So how do we do this? Well, brother and sister, as heavy as these words have been, God gives us much grace. And still gives us grace even in our fruitlessness. It's in our fruitlessness that Christ died for us. That while we were sinners, Christ died on the cross, taking our sin, taking the punishment for our fruitlessness so that we might be saved. And the great exchange that God took our sin, we received his righteousness, all of his fruit comes to us and the good news is, is that if we are far from God we can cry out to God right now and God will encourage us he will prune us he will stretch us to produce much good fruit but we must remain in him Jesus tells us this doesn't he In John chapter 15 Jesus says I am the vine and my father is the gardener Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you. And just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains to the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them in the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce Much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Are you part of the vine? Are you connected to Christ? Have you trusted Him as Savior and Lord? Are you ongoing connected to Christ? Are you remaining in Him? Are you praying and agreeing with His Word? Are you repenting when you're not? Are you asking the Holy Spirit to produce much in you? Are you looking to Jesus as one to follow? Are you passionate about the things of him and about his kingdom? Brother and sister, Christ promises us that if we do, we will produce much fruit and prove to be his disciples. So brother and sister, look at your fruit. And ask yourself about your relationship with Jesus. Are you abiding in him? Are are you producing what you think you should be in Christ? And if you're not in Christ, today call out to him. Because if you're in the vine, you will produce much fruit. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today in these heavy words of the prophet that remind us of all the ways that we will not produce fruit if, we're, if we abide in them. But oh, thanks be to God that when we abide in your Son that we produce great fruit patience, kindness, love, gentleness, goodness, self-control, a life that is assured in you and a life of eternity promised through your Son. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would abide in you. God, I pray this morning that there's someone far from you today, that they would not want to be cast aside, but they would want to be connected to you, and that they, by faith, would cry out to you and trust you today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet and let us respond together in faithfulness and love and worship to our God.
2: in His hands, who has numbered every grain of sand. Kings and nations tremble at His voice, all creation rises to rejoice. throne, come let us adore Him. Behold our King, nothing can compare,
3: come let us adore No one who So... Oh.
2: the door
4: they're in the rest of the New Testament. I want you and me to be coached by old dead theologians and pastors to help us see just how wondrous this truth is. So whether you are working through this video series as an individual or maybe in a small group setting, perhaps in a home, or maybe even in a church, in a class context, I hope that this study of the heart of Christ is deeply encouraging to you. You know, the passage that this entire teaching series is based on is in Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus tells all of us to come to him and to learn from him because his yoke is kind, his burden is light. And the point of all of that, the reason for all of that is where Jesus says, for I am gentle and lowly, in heart, Those are wondrous words, words we are never going to get over, words we are never going to plumb the depths of. And all of these related resources, whether it's this video teaching series, the book itself, Gentle and Lowly, the study guide, the journal, these all exist simply to plunge our hearts into the wondrous heart of Jesus Christ, the friend of sinners and of sufferers.
1: Well, that video is uh, introducing to us our summer book club. Oh, we haven't done this before, but uh, by the graciousness of gift of Crossway Publishers, we got a bunch of them. And so uh, we want to, to help people, encourage people to read through it, walk through it. Uh, and really, honestly, uh, I've started it, and I, 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 not that I don't like it, I love it. But then I start it again because I forget because I do it on a trip. And I'm like, I'm going to really read into this. And then I'm like, it's another trip. I'm like, oh, that was three months ago. I forget, so I have to read back through the first three chapters. So if anything, it's going to make me read it. Uh, and But uh, having read it, having talked to others who have read it, uh, and uh, I just gave you one quote on the insert of how many people who have recommended this, uh, we will be blessed through it. So out on the table across where you can sign up for Vacation Bible School helping as well, uh, is several big boxes of these. And so you can take one if you'd like to read with us. Uh, And so take one with you. It's on the honor system. We hope that you would just read it. Uh, don't take it for others yet Let me, let's make sure that everybody in our church gets one first and then uh, we have a lot so I have a feeling we'll just be giving away we'll be over here at Speedway or Kroger and just say here take this take this and, and just take, take this. what is this just take this book we have a bunch of them uh, but, uh, but uh, they were free to us and so uh, in the, the, the handout kind of gives you what we'll do uh, uh, it will begin you will need to begin reading really June 6th so we're getting them in your hands a little earlier. And we're going to hand them out this week and next week. And then if you, uh, so you'll need to begin on June 6th. And then you'll re- need to read about 19 pages a week. This is not very long. This is not a big book. You can handle that. And then on, on every two weeks, and then one time we're going to be, it'll be every three weeks, we'll discuss it. And we're going to have a session. Online at night on Tuesday nights for those who can't do it during the day or maybe working, or uh, so you can pop on Zoom and we'll talk through it there. And then those who can can come on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Uh, to come here at the church and we'll talk about it then. And so it's just kind of a something for you to do. You're not in D groups. A lot of you, a lot of your life groups are pausing for the summer. So this is just a discipleship opportunity for you to take advantage of and be a part of and uh, like I said these are free so uh, over there and if those boxes run out I can we can get more I don't think we will this morning but uh, if you want uh, go get those this morning. If you have questions I'd love to talk to you about it afterwards I'll be at the Next Steps desk A couple other things if you are a guest thank you for being here make sure you fill out your connect card and go to the Next Steps desk for your free gift for being here today we're glad you're here and hope you come back and make us your church home a uh, couple other things. Vacation Bible School, I mentioned while you're getting your free book and you have not signed up for Bible School, would you please sign up today, whether you've ever signed up uh, at all. Uh, uh, Brenda told me today, this week, she said, I can't wait to sign up to help with Bible School, right? And Miss Wanda, you're going to try to help, right? Hey, if Miss Wanda is helping with Bible School, there ain't no excuses that you can help with Bible School, right? So sign up. We only have five spots left Go over there and talk to Miss uh, uh, Christie, and let's get that filled up and have all the volunteers we need, right? Okay, so you're going to do that today. I appreciate that. Uh, next week is a big week. We'll return back to Gospel to Every Home, not today next Sunday we'll have gospel to every home as you see the fruit of that today amen uh, somebody left some information and Brenda came to church uh, because of that but if you want to be a part of that we send out teams every week 4 o'clock on Sundays next week we will have child care so plan to be a part of that next week we'll also have Lord's Supper and so you want to be here for that next week is also women's on mission so you can come if you were interested in missions and you're a woman you can come to that so next Sunday there's lots of different things going on Well, thank you for being here this morning, and we can celebrate singing Behold Our God today. Amen? Uh, Let's go and say that wherever we go. God bless.